dial star 611 for assistance, as your cellular phone is not authorized for use at this time. Pour de l'assistance, veuillez composer étoile 611. Vous n'avez pas le... Hello, podcast listener. Everything around you that you call life was made by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcasts, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. Hello and welcome to the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kemp. I'm the founder of OneMob, and I've got a fascinating interview lined up for us today. I've managed to get an interview with Andrew Dubber. He has a number of different hats. First, he's a professor of music industry innovation at Birmingham City University. He's also an advisor to Bandcamp and the director of Music Fest. Andrew's going to talk to us about the music industry, how he's seen it change over his career. And I've taken just a minute, Andrew, to kind of introduce you, but perhaps you can do a better job than me and, and talk a little bit about yourself and your thing. Well, the, f- the first thing I'm going to do, Paul, is, uh, is, is throw a word into the mix. Um, music Tech Fest is the, uh, is the festival. So it's a lot about app development actually goes on within the Music Tech Fest because it's about bringing together the music industry and the hacker community and developers and music business and, and musicians and artists and all, all in the one room together. So the idea of it being it's not just music. Uh, it's a festival of music ideas. Uh, and most of those ideas are tech related uh, and about uh, developing essentially new tech technologies around music. So Andrew, how did you come up with that idea? I mean, you're the director, I, I guess you founded the... I'm not the founder so, though. No, I'm not right. the founder. I, um, I actually, I, there, there have been two music tech fests so far. Uh, I came to the second one, which was in May last year um, in London. Uh, the previous one, obviously, had been in London as well. But I, I became heavily involved in it, uh, A, because it's such a fantastic idea and there's so much overlap between what I do uh, in terms of music industry innovation at the university, but also because it's so uh, intertwined with the music industry and with academics and with hackers and all of the people that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, I couldn't not get involved. And the more I got involved with it and the more I made connections with people, uh, the more I kind of rapidly ended up becoming a director of the uh, of the festival. So at the moment, um, in my spare time, when I'm not being a professor, I'm uh, organizing, we're doing, um, well, we've committed ourselves to five, but I think it's going to be more than that around the world. So we're doing um, uh, New Zealand in February, we're doing Boston in March at uh, Microsoft Research, and we're doing that with the Echo Nest that you might have uh-huh. heard of. Um, and uh, that's going to be in uh, cooperation with MIT and uh, Berkeley College of Music. We're going to bring them in, uh, into the mix as well, get them involved because they're essentially right next door to Microsoft Research. Uh, we're doing London in May, we're going to LA in July, and we're going to Brazil in September. And we've also got people from Canada saying, can you come and do it here? We've had people from Russia saying, can you come and do it here? So it's, it's a really interesting thing. It's sort of grown from, since my involvement, it's, it's gone from uh, something that happens uh, as kind of a flagship event in London each year to something that we're now taking worldwide, which is kind of exciting. So I've not attended the event. Perhaps you can tell me a little bit about w- what it is. And Well, Music Tech Fest, you'll, you'll kind of get the idea of any if you're an app development uh you'll have come across the idea of a hackathon um and that's not what this is although it involves that what music tech fest does is it actually brings all of these different people from these different sides of music and technology together and puts them in a room and it essentially gets them in an environment where they're going to collaborate and cooperate and part of that is about the hackathon and it's about 
putting ideas to people who can build things and going, well, let's let's make something out of this. But the problem with a hackathon is typically that people will make something uh, and it will be kind of like a almost like a, a game. You know, let's not not that they develop a game, but that the, the development is a game. Let's see what we can build in 24 hours. And then they go ta-da, at the end of it and everybody goes home. Um, the idea of what happens at Music Tech Fest is let's make things in an environment where they can be then developed further. They can be um, connected with people in the music industry. Uh, there's lots of instances of collaborations that have started of mu- at Music Tech Fest and have gone on to to be bigger and, and better things. And we've had some really interesting kind of apps come out of that. I know some of your um, listeners will have uh, heard of the Ninja Jam app, which uh, uh, Ninja Tune Records uh, got very involved in. Uh, Matt Black, who's the founder of Ninja Tune, is, is sort of like the godfather of the festival. Um, and having these sorts of ideas in this kind of an environment of... Um, Essentially, it's just fun with ideas, but in a way that connects the dots and makes sure that these things can be sustainable and ongoing. Because I think that's the kind of the real trick to it. If you get uh, hackers in a room together and say, build something, they'll build something. But if you put hackers in a room with musicians that say, no, what I really need is for it to do this, or music industry people who say, wouldn't it be cool if we could solve this problem? Then you actually start to get to a sense where it's not just a festival where people are kind of... Um, entertaining themselves but they're also building things for the future and we, we kind of like this idea of, of people getting their hands dirty and building the future there's also a kind of a presentation aspect to it but if you imagine kind of a TED talk but with demonstrations so uh, academics have been working sort of behind the scenes on and spent their sort of PhD research developing things around music information uh, what they'll do is they'll they'll come to music tech fest and they'll have 15 minutes to go look what I made, isn't this interesting, and demonstrate it. Or if somebody's invented a new musical instrument, uh, like last year we had the Seaboard, for instance, which is a, um, uh, it's like a keyboard, but with um, each note is kind of movable. Uh, and we had Jamie Cullum come along and, and perform using this new musical instrument, trying out the new technology and, and actually working with it. So some really kind of interesting aspects and, and collaborations, but basically it's about building new things and trying new things and uh, finding out about new ideas, all connected with music and technology and apps and, and so on. And, and how do people get involved with uh, the Music Tech Fest? They come along. Where can they go to kind of find out more? Well, we've got musictechfest.org, which has got a really, really good overview of the um, uh, of the idea, the ethos of the festival. And there's a, there's a short like, six-minute video with some highlights from last year um, where people who are just talking about stuff or demonstrating things that they've made or technologies that they've tried. We've got little bits of um, uh, things that people have made in the hack camp, things that have come out of the performances. Because we also have, obviously, a music performance element to the festival. That's what essentially makes it a festival. So there are these kind of these three main parts to it, which are... Uh, the demo presentations, the hackathon aspect of it, and the musical performances, which, again, is a lot about collaboration. So people using new technologies for the first time, but in a kind of an improvised music performance basis. There's a lot of people doing beatboxing, There's, uh, but using, like, for instance, we had Ezra, who's an amazing French beatboxer, who used a new sort of high-tech glove that had been developed that allowed him to control the effects and, and, uh, and loops of his uh, of his beatboxing and actually change what he was doing live um but actually having the control of it through uh, a kind of wearable technology which is so stuff like that that we get really excited about really yeah i think that 
watching the TED talks. There was a beatbox guy on that recently. Right, yeah. So from Sydney. That, uh, oh, actually, the, the one from Sydney. We're working with um, Beardy Man, who, who you might know, who did a TED talk demonstration yes. as well. So he did a, a kind of a thing about the... Um, uh, the polyphonic me, I think he called it, which was this idea of um, taking the human voice and turning it not just into any instrument, but into complete orchestrations and developing the technologies to, to do that. So um, I'm actually working with uh, the organization Sonaris, who is um, uh, who are actually developing what they're calling the Beardytron. And it's about taking this this idea of the noises that you can make that a human being can create and turning them into into something symphonic and controllable by the beatboxer. It's a really kind of interesting field to be in. Um, when people think about music and technology, and, and particularly what I do, this kind of idea of music innovation, most people in the music industry think marketing. They, you know, they want to know, how can I make my band famous online? And I think, well, that's almost the least interesting thing you can do with technology if you're in the field of music. Inventing new sounds or inventing new ways of making sounds, uh, creating new types of music that didn't exist before, um, working with people who essentially are inventing the future of music, I think is a really kind of interesting space to be in. And I think there's a lot of scope to kind of use technologies uh, and app development on, on their own terms um, rather than just kind of replicate things that already exist in the world in an online environment, if you see what I mean. Now, you've had a long look at this from a very high level. Do you feel like we're in a time that is like a revolution with creativity when it comes to music? I, I would go so far as to say there has never been a better time in history to make music. I, as simple as that. Um, because Not just because it's cheaper to make music, that has been for a long time. I mean, anybody with, you know, we're talking in the West particularly, but anybody with uh, any kind of technology, with a, with a phone or with a, with a laptop or with a home computer or something like that, they can just start making music. And, it, and it's not difficult to make it sound good. Um, and you can experiment with it and explore with it and you can collaborate with it and you can, you can do things. I think this is sort of a return to music as a participation thing. Uh, far more than for the last sort of hundred years or so, our job as music consumers has been to sit down, shut up, and listen. Um, but now there is very much the kind of the uh, the idea that you can you can take music apart, you can rework it in new ways, you can remix it, you can you can mash it up, you can do all sorts of things with music now. And music is something that people do, and it's something that people do together. It's not just something that you sit down and shut up and listen to. And I think that's a really interesting proposition. To, I, I mean, I'm far more interested in music participation than I am in music consumption, although I am a massive fan of music. I'm a, I'm a record collector. I'm a buy vinyl. Um, and so I think that these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can have great artists who make great music and spend a lot of money in a recording studio and do mastering and, and these sorts of things, but that's not the end of the story. And I think there's so much creativity and so much possibility with music, a again, with things like new sounds or new ideas or um, people who aren't from music bringing new ideas from outside of music into it that uh, can take it in all sorts of new directions. So I really love this idea of musicians and artists collaborating with, with uh, tech people or with people from outside their own sphere just to go, well, what else can I do with this? And I've always thought that, that um, particularly in the recorded music era, the people who are making the most interesting music are the people who are kicking at the edges of the technology and going, what can we do with this? I mean, the Beatles and Radiohead are both really good examples of this. In their time, they've gone into the studio and they go, no, what other noises can we make? What other sounds, what other ideas can we express? And that's where these kind of new, um, exciting 
innovating things come from is this idea of people going, no, what else is there? And I, I really like that idea in music that you can do that with technology. And I've heard that there's a new format being looked at, believe that it's a format that can dissect the music into its individual tracks and allow then a, a lot more creativity of, of playing around, resampling, remixing music. Have you heard about that? Well, not as a as a format, although the idea of uh, what they call stems, which is sort of the, the main component parts of a song. So if you think of a rock song, for instance, it's usually something like drums, guitar, bass, vocals. All right. So the idea of ha- having the stems individually, you would have the drum track and you would have the guitar track and you would have the, uh, the bass line and you'd have the vocals. Um, and then theoretically the user could then assemble those in any fashion or in any difference of volumes that they preferred um, and this is not a particularly new idea it's essentially just multi-track um, but the idea that people can make stems available and I, I like this idea from um, I, I think it's something that, that record companies should be kind of quite excited about particularly because so much music now is so multi-layered um, there's there's I mean, there's still obviously, you know, singer, songwriter, guitar and vocals stuff that, you know, doesn't sort of take much taking apart. Um, but the idea of providing consumers with the component ingredients of a piece of music and saying, you listen to it the way you want to listen to it. And, you know, there's, there's a definitive version that we made in a studio. And this is what the producers and the artists sort of wants you to listen to. But this is also something that you can get your hands dirty with and take apart and remake in your own way. And I think this kind of remix culture is kind of interesting in that perspective. And one of the things we did at Music Tech Fest uh, last year was uh, there was a band called Everything Everything um, that RCA Records put forward their stems to the hackers and said, um, uh, make music with this. And um, the RCA Prize um, went to a, a remixer who... Um, had done up, you know, essentially a dubstep version of the Everything Everything track and um, made something that was really cool. And what RCA did is they went, well, actually, that's a really good idea. And they worked with the band to do uh, a remix competition on their website to say, well, what else could people do with this music? If we take it apart in different ways, how else can it sound? And and, uh, with the idea of of, uh, eventually working with a producer to release some of this kind of otherwise unimagined music. So it's by sort of reaching out and collaborating and, and kind of inviting new elements in that people start to get uh, a different idea of what else can be made. So there is this idea of, of this kind of perfect idealized um, version of a song, but that's not the end of the life of a song. And I think that we've sort of been stuck in this idea for for the last hundred years, give or take, with the idea of what happens on the record is the definitive version. Um, but the idea of stems is that you can then reassemble it and to, to make, you know, making culture from other culture. This is fascinating. So it really is that a case that in the next few years we can go and buy our music again, but take away the drums and the, you know, perhaps just go for the vocals. So listen to John Lennon and just the vocals could change the way we listen to music. Well, it already is in a large, um, in a large way. I mean, there, there are so many remixes about and there are so many kind of mashups and so on. But actually, if you know where to look and you scour the internet, you can find, I mean, the, the original multitracks of Stevie Wonder's Superstition, for instance. Um, there's some sort of the, the original, you know, individual tracks of uh, some Beatles recordings that people have kind of, sourced however they've sourced them and uh, and then made available and it's, it's kind of unauthorized um, a lot of the time but there are also people who are going you know what I'm going to do that with my band's music or I'm going to do that with um, you know the music that I make 
and release it in a way that's available to um, people to kind of um, reassemble in any in any fashion they like. So I've had feedback from my listeners before when I've interviewed, and they've said that they really like to get to hear the story behind who I'm interviewing. I just wondered how you fell into music. Wow. <laughs> it's one of those, oh my God, how long have you got questions? Um, I'm, I'm from New Zealand originally, um, and uh, I like to think of New Zealand as a very musical place, um, although I, I guess everybody's place is a musical place. Um, if they're into music, but uh, my background is primarily radio. Uh, that's where I started. I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I went to university uh, and immediately went to the student radio station and spent all my time there. And I, from there, I sort of ended up in a career in radio. And the short version of the story is, um, I liked producing radio programs because I thought it was a good way to learn how to produce records. And it's not. It's a ridiculous way to learn how to produce records. Um, but what happened was, because I was making programs about jazz music and bringing jazz musicians into a studio, I started recording them and started producing them and uh, ended up running a record label. So this, this is still in New Zealand. And this is sort of mid to late 90s. Um, and of course, there's not a great deal of money in uh, recording and releasing local jazz music in Auckland in the late 1990s. And so in order to sort of supplement that income, I started teaching radio production at, um, at uh, Auckland University of Technology. And I got interested while I was there in the sort of the academic side of things. I was there to teach people how to press buttons. But what I went from there is I kind of went, well, this sort of, this kind of theoretical side of it is really interesting as well. And I got really in, uh, interested in um, the idea of radio online and radio um, uh, digital radio, if you see what I mean. Um, and so that was kind of my research process. And, and when you get interested and start getting involved in the academic side of things, you present at conferences. And I was presenting a paper about uh, internet radio at a conference in, uh, in the States. And I met up with a professor from the UK at that time. And, and his, uh, he was kind of the head of the Radio Studies Network in the world. Uh, and he was the sort of founder of the conference. Um, and we were on a panel together, which is very daunting as a, as a sort of a junior academic scholar at the time. Um, and the panel we were on was about internet radio. His paper was called The Political Economy of Internet Radio. And I followed it straight up with, there's no such thing as internet radio. So we ended up having, uh, having a beer and a, and a pizza and a chat. And uh, by the end of it, he offered me a job in the UK and um, to come and work on a project about online music. Uh, because I had the, the, the music uh, experience and interest, and he really kind of uh, disagreed with but liked my take on uh, radio in the digital age, and uh, so I wanted to see if we could apply that to music in the digital age. And uh, nine years later, we're still having that conversation. In fact, ten years now. Ten years later, we're still having that conversation, and still, um, uh, it's not a disagreement as much as it is a, a lively debate. Um, but uh, it's kind of gone from there, and I've ended up being, uh, I've sort of gone more towards the music side of things, uh, because that's really my, my sort of passion. But actually, last year, I print, uh, published a book called Radio on the Digital Age, which came out, um, and is now a sort of, it's a, it's a, it's a book that people are getting um, assigned as texts in their radio courses around the world, which is kind of fun. Um, but that means that I can kind of walk away from the radio stuff now and, and focus more on the music. But that's kind of, that's the trajectory. That's, that's how I got here. What a fascinating story. And the fact is that, you know, I guess radio has changed immensely uh, over the years, um, you know, from like you wouldn't believe tune in radio. Well, actually, one of the, one of the outcomes of the, the Music Tech Fest, the first one that I went to, 
because this is this is actually how I got involved. Because I went there to speak about something completely different. I was making a documentary film about independent music in Brazil, which we've we've done on the filming of now, and it's, uh, we're uh, spending this month editing it. Um, but uh, I was there to do just a talk about that and uh, and how. Uh, the Brazilian independent music sector uses technology and and uh, have, have developed their own what they call social technologies and and so that was my kind of presentation about that. But somebody presented a challenge to the hack camp at Music Tech Fest that was essentially was fix internet radio, uh, and it was somebody coming from the point of view of promoting independent music, which is like so it brings all of my passions together in the one place. Um, and I said, well, look, if it, I've just written this book on exactly this topic. If anybody wants to work with me on solving this problem, I've got some ideas. Let's 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 get together. And um, of course, internet radio is probably the least sexy thing for a bunch of music hackers to get involved with. So everybody was off making new musical instruments and um, you know deconstructing the web from a musical perspective. And so I thought, well, screw it, I'll just do it myself. Um, so I sat down and thought, well, I can't hack. I'm not a coder, um, but I'm going to expand the definition of hacking. And it turns out that's an okay thing to do. And I said, I'm going to invent this app on paper, and I'm going to describe exactly what it does and exactly how it works, work out the sort of the um, the, the idea for it. And, and I ended up doing this, but partway through, uh, sort of an hour two, uh, this guy I was sitting next to turned to me and said, well, I've kind of finished with my thing. What are you working on? Do you want a hand? And it turned out that this incredible UI designer, a guy called Jedediah, who's done some amazing work, um, and uh, he got interested in the project as well. So between us, we came up with this thing we called Radiator, which is something that we're actually now developing for real. Um, and sort of the, one of the other many spin-offs of uh, that particular music tech fest is you put somebody who's like studied something for the last 10 years really, really closely together with somebody who can actually make things and design things and do user interface for mobile apps. Um, and you get to show something very, very kind of spectacularly convincing at the end of, you know, 12 hours overnight hack camp. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like a, a fun resolution to the story is now we're actually reinventing radio as well as reinventing music. So you're working with an app developer then called Jedediah. And you're yeah, he's a he's um well he's more of a um, user interface developer. So we're going to be working with um, uh, developer the guy who's doing the Beardytron, the Sonaris. He's he's kind of uh, the tech guy that we're kind of going to be working with, um, but also bringing people on board to help develop this uh, this radiator app, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, I was just talking actually with uh, one of my previous interviews. There's a guy called Drew Boyd, and he has written a book called Inside the Box. And he was really talking about when developing an app uh, to to uh, constrain the proposition to uh, have kind of borders, and, and so rather than think outside the box, think inside the box. So I'd highly sort of suggest like reading that because he said that some that some apps do kind of go crazy with the features, and it's the simplicity of, and of the idea that's the really interesting component of, of app development yeah it's interesting that um i mean this inside the box thing i don't know if he talks about this being you know sort of stick to your knitting that kind of um do what you know because app developers tend to apply themselves to almost any problem it's like salespeople. you know as soon as you can sell something you think you can sell anything and, and usually you're right but just because you're a um 
you're a, you're, you're a salesperson, that means you can do car sales or shoe sales or, or refrigerator sales or whatever. You don't have to be a car person or a refrigerator person. With app development, I think the same thing often applies. So people go, well, I can develop apps. So I'm going to apply this app development knowledge to the world of radio or to the world of music or to the world of, you know, whatever it might be, accountancy, without actually having that kind of, um, you know, lifelong immersion within that particular field and I think that's kind of it's a really interesting advantage to have if you have somebody on your side who is of that world who who is kind of completely immersed in that particular field and knows not just which problems to solve but actually which which solutions won't work intuitively and I think that's one of the problems that you have like you think of any radio like any big radio app or what people call radio these days most radio people will look at it and go, yeah, it's not really radio, though, is it? It's not what makes it radio. It's not what uh, um, it's not what we love about radio. People who are passionate about radio have things that they love about radio. Uh, and while it's kind of, I mean, I spend the first two chapters of my book going, it's really difficult to define radio. Um, there, there are some things that people who are kind of passionate about radio will go, well, if it doesn't have these elements to it, it doesn't really connect in the same way that radio does. And, and the thing that makes radio special is lacking from something like, let's say, Last FM, which calls itself radio, or Spotify's radio stream, or iTunes radio, or all these things, which are essentially... I mean, jukebox is the wrong metaphor as well, but it's closer. Um, but th there is no kind of metaphor. It's just streaming music, and whether it's streaming music based on your preferences or whatever... Um, there's, there's something unradio-like about them. And so to get something that is of that world, I think is an interesting um, problem to solve, or, or at least an interesting kind of perspective to come from. So whatever the app you're developing, if it's to solve a particular thing in the world of accountancy or floral design or whatever it might be, having somebody who's sort of lived in that world to go, well, this is what's important to us, is kind of a really good I don't know, takeaway message. Yeah, I was learning a couple of things from that, that discussion. One, one is that uh, don't necessarily need to be an app developer to kind of have a great idea for an app and then have a collaboration with someone like, like yourself, actually, where you can you think of the components of an app and then actually go and find somebody who can, can really deliver uh, on the actual coding. Well, I'm a user of apps, you know, and I, I kind of, I, I'm very uh, interested in this idea of how, I'm, how I use my tools and how I interact with, with the world through... Uh, through things like apps um, and what am I trying to do and what, what are the frustrations that I have with that but I don't know how to develop an app I don't know how to code I don't know how to do that and I, I guess I could learn um, but what's more important to me is go well I know where to find that knowledge I know who can do that and working together actually I mean collaboration is better than competition I think that's, that's kind of like the, um, the 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 takeaway from that is that if you if you actually have ideas and you can I mean you can develop apps without being an app developer um, but you need an app developer in order to do that and the other thing I took away as well is that it kind of reminded me of someone saw, told me recently that people just want their lives curated now they, they want you know their music taste to be curated and that's why perhaps there is this kind of interest in the way Spotify does it and the way these these other apps kind of curate your music for you they just kind of go through your life and then they figure out what you like and then they play you nothing but that it's it's interesting because um yes people do want their music curated but they don't only want their music curated i mean it's it's like um yes you want your mother to put a plate of food in front of you and tell you to eat it but you also want to go to a restaurant and choose from a menu and these things are always more complicated if, and the more people try to make it simple the more they miss the point and the more that they, they don't understand how human beings make meaning from culture. 
Um, and that, that's really, to me, that's the crux of it, is if you say, well, we can solve your music listening for you, I don't want it solved. Some of the time, I can't be bothered thinking about what I want to listen to, and I'd like you to play me things that I'm likely to like, but sometimes I'll want to go and put on a particular record. Uh, and don't stop me from doing that. Don't be the thing that prevents me from from interacting with music the way that I want to listen to. Sometimes I want to play a part of a song to a friend of mine. Sometimes I want to listen to a whole album. Some, you know, so... It, it varies. Some of it I want to share socially. Some of it I don't. Some of you know. So it's uh, it's always more complicated than people make out. And also, I think that music is one of those great things on your iPhone that you just have these new apps that come out that really want to give you the wow factor. And you know, I thought things like TuneIn Radio or Spotify would really you know it's kind of like become my stable diet now. But but there's an app that's just come out mm. called Soundwave. I think, it, and, and yep. that's fan, fascinating because that's really um, kind of tracking all the music that I'm playing on my iPhone, and then letting my friends know, uh, and we kind of share lists and stuff. So there's always something new coming out. So really, you know, from that basis, Andrew, what do you see over the next year that's really exciting you in, in your world? Well, I think that um, music apps are not the exciting thing. I hate, as much as I hate to say this in this context, um, I, I think that the uh, the interesting thing for me is the connection between the virtual space and the real space. And the apps will be involved in that, but it's not the apps that are interesting. Um, and so that you get, um, I'm trying to find a really simple way to explain this, but um, the, the way that I can phrase it is, uh, my, the co uh, the, well, the founder of Music Tech Fest, my co-director, uh, Michaela Magus, um, came up with this this idea of the the uh, the internet of music things you'll you'll have heard of the internet of things this idea of like objects physical objects kind of connected to each other well the idea of that associated with music is um i think is fascinating and i think that what she's doing with that in that space and developing there i think has has got a lot of potential this idea of people actually making music together whether they're in the same room or not using physical objects but connected through the internet um, I think that to me is, is kind of a really exciting opportunity. Again, for me, like I said at the beginning of this, this chat, um, that I'm far more interested in participation than I am in just kind of sit down, shut up and listen consumption. And I think that there's, there's only so much you can do with, with the kind of pure um, passive consumption side of things from an app development perspective. And once we've kind of exhausted all of them, let's do something different. Let's do something that's about making things and, and uh, performing things or, um, you know, things that these technologies are natively good at um, rather than simply trying to emulate libraries, record collections, radio stations, things that kind of came before. And once we get past this kind of, um, fixation on just trying to sort of digitally replicate older technologies uh, and start actually inventing new ones, I think we start to get in a much more interesting space. And you've managed to bring that full circle pretty much on the mark of 30 minutes. So that's very good, Andrew. Um, you know, it's my radio training. <laughs> you can tell that you're a key keynote speaker. Uh, so before we kind of say goodbye, is there anything you feel like we've missed that an app development community would, would perhaps you know, be interested in or have we covered most of the things? Well, there's, there's so much to talk about in this space. I think this is kind of, for me, this is the exciting space. The people who are inventing new things that people haven't seen before, haven't done before. And the idea that, I, mean, I wish I could code. And, and it's something that I'm kind of, I'm ch almost um, challenging myself to, 
to get my hands dirty. The idea that this is just an open platform that you can, to the extent that it's open, but you can design something that doesn't exist yet, I think is a really exciting thing. Um, and I think that with something that's as meaningful as, and as exciting to people as music is, uh, the opportunity to do something really interesting in that space um, is, is yeah, is really exciting. So I guess kind of my... Um, uh, my my message would be a get involved with Music Tech Fest because you, you'll encounter really really fascinating people with really interesting ideas and you'll be able to help them build something that is not just a kind of a flash in the pan. Let's make something and and then go ta da at the end of the session, then go home and forget about it. You'll be able to make make things that will be continued, will be supported, will be um, sustainable. And uh, if they're good ideas, they're they're good ideas that can actually benefit a whole lot of people. Um, but will be create you know if you're talking about thinking inside the box make the box music tech fest because everything that was outside the box is in that box and i think that's kind of a good place to start <laughs> and how best can people reach out to you, uh, you i believe you've got a blog uh, which they can follow and i'm going to put these on the show notes but how's best to connect with you i'm dubber on twitter i'm andrewdubber.com i'm uh you can music tech fest.org i mean i'm, I'm pretty much the most findable person on the internet. Um, if you type Andrew Dubber into Google, um, you will find me. And uh, you can send me an email. I'm dubber at gmail.com. Um, yeah, any of those sorts of things. Um, more than happy to talk because the, the kind of people who listen to programs like this are the kind of people I'm interested in talking to. Terrific, Andrew. Well, I've, I've still got a ton of questions I'd love to go through, so perhaps I can have you on later in the year when, um, when your schedule frees up. But thank you very much for your time. I know I really appreciate it. And certainly the people that listen to this will be um, fascinated to hear your, um, your take on the music industry. And it just sort of leaves me to say thank you and, and goodbye. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you do have any ideas on who we should interview, please send that email to info at onemob.com. That's info at onemob.com.